This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19, Vaccines and Delta Variant, Part 2. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unipoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. In today's podcast, I'll provide an update on what we're seeing in the hospital and the community, the latest information on the Delta Variant, and vaccines as well as mask guidance. Previously, we talked about the Delta Variant, and the Delta Variant is the same variant that was noted in India and in the United Kingdom, and it has a different spike protein that's different than the original alpha variant uh, that the vaccines were designed for. It was felt that the vaccine would, vaccines would be just as efficacious against uh, the Delta variant, and that's turning out not to be true. We are having breakthrough infections, and, and this does change uh, the landscape uh, with breakthrough infections. As we talked about in previous podcasts and, and on uh, media interviews, that we have a, a, a really high a percentage of people in this community that are vaccinated. Uh, over the age of 65, it's 87%. And uh, in across the board, it's 63% for those that are eligible. That And it's 53%, which is still a good number uh, if you factor in the children that aren't under the age of 12. Definitely the breakthrough infections do result in the presentation of patients that are uh, perhaps less ill than they normally would be. Uh, we are seeing the more critically ill patients being the, the unvaccinated. The patients that are vaccinated are um, d- presenting with an illness that is less severe, perhaps, than you would anticipate, which is a good thing. Uh, vaccines are designed uh, not necessarily to prevent disease, but to prevent significant manifestation. And that's what the flu shot does every year. It uh, prevents us from getting ill. Uh, same with the pneumonia shot. Presents, it prevents people from ending up in the intensive care unit with streptococcal pneumonia. The wastewater in Cedar Rapids is tested, uh, and it's exclusively been the Delta variant, and this is done through the water department. Uh, So we are just making the presumption that the Delta variant is the predominant uh, variant that is in the community, and we have very little alpha that is resulting at least in medical care. Since August 3rd, 17% of the patients admitted to the hospital are fully vaccinated. So roughly 80% of the individuals admitted to the hospital are unvaccinated, uh, and we presume that those are all Delta variants. The degree to which um, the Delta variant becomes uh, transmissible is, is the concern that it has an easier or faster transmission uh, than the previous variants, and that is good and bad. That means we'll go through the community faster, and just to give it some numbers, this morning, active cases in Lynn County were 1,164. In June 1st of this year, which is less than three months ago, um, it was 1,014. So you think, wow, that's uh, not that much off, but things do feel different. Well, here, here's the, the caveat. On July 14th, active cases in the community were 140. So it went from 140 rapidly up to over 1,000, uh, which does cause a burden on uh, or stresses the resources of any system, particularly healthcare, when people get sick so fast. But that also means that it may spread through the community uh, quicker. We talked last time about, uh, I, I thought at that time, based upon uh, studying uh, the uh, transmission rate as well as the uh, previous spikes in the rate of transmission daily report, 
as well as the uh, water department's wastewater report that the peak in the wastewater, uh, the spike in the community occurs about 10 to 14 days afterwards. Uh, that may occur in a shorter period of time. But I think what's going to happen, I've come to appreciate one is that the, the, the vaccines work, they prevent death and to significant degree hospitalization, but they're not as efficacious against preventing people from being clinically symptomatic. And I think we will see a larger spike perhaps than we did in November, but it'll be more narrow and not last as long. And that, that's, that using that data and studying the previous patterns would indicate that we should see be on the backside of this in October at the latest, I, I think, and that I continue to believe that. I just learned this morning uh, that uh, yesterday, I, you know, you, you, during this pandemic, you've learned several things. One is that uh, you um, uh, go to bed and things change. But yesterday, the booster was recommended for patients that had severe immunocompromisation, meaning they have immune systems or medical condition that makes it less likely the vaccine has responded. Uh, active chemotherapy, uh, immune deficiencies, dialysis patients. Um, but then I was told earlier today, and I will confirm this, that the uh, boosters may be required for or recommended, I should say, for 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 all. Uh, and that's a significant change uh, from three months ago when boosters were felt not to be necessary, based specifically based upon the Cleveland Clinic study that showed such great efficacy. But that did not include the Delta variant. I'm still not sure uh, if generalized across the board boosters will be required. Um, I'm continuing in the camp that I don't think will be a requirement, but uh, it's hard to speculate at this juncture. Um, if it is a booster, it'll probably be a third shot. And th the duration from the fully vaccinated state or the second shot, depending on which uh, vaccine you received, is, is undetermined at this time and more to come. And perhaps we'll cover that on the next podcast or as soon as we know what's going on. But one thing I did want to address today was vaccine hesitancy. Um, as you may or may not know, UnityPoint Health joins uh, over 100 other healthcare systems in mandating that the vaccine be a requirement for employees unless there are exemptions or religious uh, beliefs that uh, prevent one from accepting the vaccine. And, you know, I absolutely understand the, the, the and I respect the patients and the ability to choose. But at the end of the day, the vaccines are safe. Uh, that, that's been demonstrated. Over 4 billion doses uh, delivered uh, uh, in the in the in the world is what I, I've been told, uh, and that is that is a rather a high amount of uh, vaccines with side effects that are real but rare. The vaccines are efficacious in the fact that they do prevent death and significant morbidity, leading to less hospitalizations. And I do believe, at the end of the day, after looking at the measurable and unmeasurable factors, that I continue to recommend. The vaccine for those that are eligible and it's appropriate to receive. I, I've learned a couple things during the pandemic, and one of them is that I, I work with a tremendously dedicated group of people, and I'm very proud of that. I knew that before the pandemic, but it'll just confirm my respect and the integrity that I'm surrounded by on a daily basis uh, and courage uh, that I'm surrounded by. People that are just sim simply brave. But I have learned one thing clinically, and that is that if you delay routine and preventative health care, it does 
catch up at sometimes. So those cancers continue to develop. And I think we've had some of our volume that is non-COVID related to that hiatus of almost six months where we did not uh, provide preventative and routine care because of the the lockdowns, for lack of a better description, or it was significantly curtailed. And I think we have to be mindful of that. We have the resources and contingencies. As we said before, we, we, we previously we were scrambling. Now we have blueprints. We know how to expand and contract our COVID uh, service line. Uh, and we know how to provide the critical care, uh, and we do it quite well. We have good pharmacy uh, and support, uh, as well as uh, supplies. But if we execute upon those blueprints and accommodate the surge in the COVID volume, it's like squeezing a balloon. Um, it, it, you're going to move concerns from one area to another. And that's why that's where the vaccine comes in. If the vaccine can prevent hospitalization, then it can help alleviate that burden that would fall upon the healthcare system uh, and preserve the delivery of routine and preventative healthcare. The last time I want to cover on today's podcast is the masking, which has been confusing uh, from the regulatory and health agencies that we rely upon. At this time, it's recommended that fully vaccinated individuals, if they're inside in a highly congested area with poor air ventilation, they should wear a mask. It certainly gives the impression that uh, this somehow has to do with the vaccine's not working, and that's not necessarily uh, the, the concern. The concern is that this Delta virus has such a large inoculum or amount of virus in the upper respiratory tract that it is possible that it could uh, spread in a vaccinated patient uh, to the unvaccinated in the room, particularly if it's a congested area. So I, I think it's reasonable to wear the mask. Uh, ma masks are a valuable tool to uh, preventing source control, preventing a person from spreading an illness. Surgeons wear them every day. But the key to mask wearing is that it is put on correctly. It is not touched and it's worn once. And that is why we have at the hospital th through federal regulations, but, but we certainly embrace this. We think it's a reasonable idea is we've recommended that isolation or surgical masks be used and we will provide those. Uh, the, the cloth mask and the gaiters uh, and the uh, uh, other, uh, lack of a better term, designer mask, early on in the pandemic to, to limit the contagion spread, it was reasonable to do that. But at this juncture, I, I think they are, they are not uh, indicated. And that has been uh, from uh, healthcare policy uh, entities, i.e. Uh, CDC and OSHA, have made that recommendation as well. As I've said before, and I continue to tell myself each day, I know what I do, I know how I do it, but it's times like these I learn why I do it. In closing, we have a great team at, at St. Luke's Hospital, and I'm very proud to be part of this team. And I I'm, have all the confidence that they will rise to the occasion as they've done so often in the past. Thank you for listening to the COVID-19 update for the latest COVID-19 information not only on the vaccine, but on uh, social distancing and masking, visit uh, unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers. 
about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.